Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Hashtag Gen Z, a podcast that explores Generation Z. Who they are, how they are different from other generations, while also being an incredible blend of those who came before them. I'm your host, Megan Grace. Welcome back to season five, where we're doing a deep dive on Generation Z in the workplace. This is episode 46, which we're going to be focusing on the future of work. For those keeping tabs on Gen Z, which I assume you are if you're listening to this podcast, the oldest are turning 28 this year in 2023. We actually have about 10 years of this generation over the age of 18, which really means we have about 10 years of those in Generation Z who are technically workforce eligible. So while we keep saying, Gen Z's coming, they're going to shake up the workforce, there's actually a solid group of members of Generation Z who are already here and shaking things up. In just a few years, they're actually estimated to make up 25% of the workforce. While they're still growing up and some are still planning their careers, the future of work will heavily be shaped by the presence of those who are currently working and those who will be working soon. So it felt like a perfect time to bring in a conversation with one of my new friends and one of my favorite people to ideate with. Sophie Wade is a work futurist, international keynote speaker, author, instructor, and workforce innovation specialist at Future of Work Consultancy, Flexel Network. Over 540,000 people have taken her LinkedIn video courses on empathy, Gen Z, and future of work skills. Sophie's executive advisory work and transformative workshops help leaders adapt new business conditions, attract, engage, and retain a multi-generational distributed workforce. Sophie's first book, Embracing Progress, Next Steps of the Future of Work, became an EMBA textbook. And her new book is Empathy Works, the key to competitive advantage in the new era of work. Sophie also hosts the popular podcast, Transforming Work with Sophie Wade. She got her BA and MA at Oxford University and MBA in International Business at NCAD. Please help me in welcoming Sophie to the episode today. I am so excited to have today's guest join us. Um, truly someone I've been so lucky to get to know and the universe put into my life and um, just a delightful person to daydream with, but in like a very intentional manner. So welcome, Sophie. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, Megan, it's so much fun to be chatting again. We always have so much to talk about. I know, like we could probably just talk forever and ever and ever, um, but we know that we can't always do that because we have jobs we have to get to. But luckily, our jobs allow us to hang out from time to time, which um, I love when that's my workplace benefit, really. Um, But Sophie, tell us a little bit about your story. Who are you? What kind of work do you do? I mean, I've always said that you have the coolest job title I've ever heard in my life, your workplace futurist, but really what do you do in your work and how do you help companies and organizations? So I I came up with a, well, work futurist was given to me as a title, but otherwise I call myself a workforce innovation specialist because that was really trying to explain what I did. I started off with future of work strategist and everyone was like, what's the future of work? This was 2015. So now it's really trying to 
help people understand what the future of work is, particularly now it's arrived, and different elements where I focus. One is Gen Z, another is um, really looking at the the how the workplace, new work arrangements, you know, whether it's remote working, hybrid, all those elements to it. Um, and also in terms of, you know, changing leadership styles, which also affects um, Gen Z, of course. So it, it's really the umbrella of the future of work and uh, a human-centric angle um, or lens through which I look and, and practice it. So I'm really helping companies adapt to very new ways of working and new ways of thinking about business, which is primarily driven by technology. There's got to be so much change management that you do, or like at least like psychological change management, support and help. I mean, I know you and I talk about this all the time of the things that organizations kind of just like struggle to come around to and grapple with. And it's dissonance, right? That is humans going through change is always hard Um, at a very high level. What are the things that you're kind of currently helping organizations and companies grapple with as we think about the future of work? I know we've already mentioned Gen Z. That's the focus of kind of not only the podcast, but our conversation today. Um, But when we're thinking about the future of work, where does Gen Z play a role in that? And how are you helping companies and organizations kind of confront some issues? So the whole of the fall um, last year, everything was about Gen Z. And the way I look at it really is that Gen Z are manifesting the future of work. You know, it's not that they're in a corner of TikTok plotting together, like, oh, come on, let's like disrupt everything. It's really that they're coming into the workplace and doing what seems to come naturally based on what they experience. So it really is for companies I see so much of this pushback, this the challenges that they're having with Gen Z, which is, you know, can they hire them? How are they engaging them? How many of them are quitting? Enormous numbers are quitting. It's really uh, an indicative of this challenge to update and modernize as people are, you know, a lot of the language now is about modernizing the ways that we're working. And that really has an emphasis on Gen Zs because they're the ones who who don't have any history in terms of how things used to be. So they really are the ones who, who unfortunately for them, are the ones who are reacting most, uh, you know, in, in the most con- contradictory way, perhaps, um, to the, the new, the, the traditional ways that people have been working, that they are sort of struggling to, to, to make the ad- the adaptations necessary, and that's hard. I mean, you know, we've gone through incredible disruption of the pandemic, which, which did actually help us sort of understand more about where we're going because that really was a lot of the things that we were dealing with were very much future of work um, characteristics. Um, so it really is to do with helping people understand where we are, and a revelation that's sort of happened to me over the last two months. And particularly, I was at Running Remote last week, and I recognized that the it does. I'm what I'm hearing, what I'm experiencing, and what I'm also feeling from other people is that there is this sense that if we can just get people back in the office, then we can get on with things and sort of deal with the future of work. And it's not there's there's a, a sort of disconnect between the fact that these new ways of working, the the remote working and hybrid working, 
this is a piece of the puzzle. You can't, you can't separate it out. It is something which Gen Z's need. It's something, the, you know, this flexibility, this adaptability, these adaptable ways of working are part of all of it. So that's a, a key piece that I'm seeing now um, it, that, that people, you know, a number of leaders, I think they can put back in the box and then everything's going to be fine. It's like, that will, that will not be fine. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting that you say, like, they need to have, like, companies and organizations saying we need to get back to the office and then we'll deal with the future of work. It's almost like they're trying to do this thing like in the middle of a um, like a sports match where it's like, okay, let's have a huddle. Let's pause and let's figure it out. Like, no, no, we did that for two years. Like we had the, all it did was put a light on the fact that uh, the way things were before is probably not the way that we're going to be able to do things moving forward. And um, I think it's this level of discomfort. And, and the way that I look Ooh. at it is there's a level of discomfort from organizational leaders that there's going to be in there. We're in the process of disruption. And like you get, you know, you talk about like humans in work and the empathy and the wiring of humans and really that psychological piece of it. Um humans are not the best at disrupting status quo in our life. Like we aim for stasis. And so when I think like you and I go so deep in some of our conversations, like what you just said to me was we have a group of up and coming workers, which we'll get to in a second, that is more naturally okay with change, just where they're at developmentally entering companies that um, they want to engage this group, but humans are so wired to create stasis that organizations are just not shifting fast enough. And we're not, we're not, and we're, we're almost a little scared. Um, and that's how I'm kind of hearing it. Yeah. I mean, we absolutely are. And there's so much change going on in every, in every aspect that I can understand why you people would want to kind of go, okay, well, let's just actually, you know, get this piece back. This piece look has, has changed so much. Let's get it back to where it was. And then everything else will, will be easier to deal with rather mm-hmm. than this is actually an integral part of all of it. And, and as you're sort of saying, like we've come out of the huddle and we need to keep, you know, in that game, we need to be changing the rules on the fly hard. Yeah. Right? We can't yeah. huddle, change the rules, kind of like, okay, everybody got new rules. Now let's go out and play again. It's kind of, we have to be working this out and running and changing the rules on the fly. So, you know, I I, I do empathize with leaders, with managers mm-hmm. who are particularly managers who are sort of stuck in between the, you know, recognizing that they want to engage their younger workers, all of their workers who who are, you know, a lot of them are just simply not going back to the office, um, even if they have been mandated. And, you know, the higher ups who are saying, hey, look, we need everybody, you know, back in again, and that's going to be, you know, better. And they're like, "Ah." so, you know, I, this is a tough situation Um, Mm -hmm. as we're so much transformation is required and Mm -hmm. you think about things. and, and, And part of it honestly is a fundamental recognition that we never really actually designed how we worked properly. Or at all. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like everybody came to the office and sort of said, okay, Megan, so, you know, we're going to do, you, this is what you need to do and that's what you need to do. And you sort of learned it very, very slowly over time. You had lots of time to sort of work it out and do it differently. And there were, weren't that many different ways to do it. Now there were so many more options and apps. And, and 
I need to be giving you more autonomy and all of those things which don't necessarily make me comfortable. And you're needing to do it much, much faster. And then we need to be work together mm-hmm. in more teams. So the whole the whole way that I'm needing to manage and you're needing to work um, are changing significantly when we not, we actually never sat down and sort of said, okay, so if we could design this today or sort of redesign mm-hmm. or think about it properly for the first time, how would we do it? That's what needs yeah. to happen. And, it, and it's yeah. not what we've done in the past. Yeah. And that's it's just, like one of the first articles I read for my grad program was on workplace design um, mm. and like what people want, like what people actually want. And it was like from the 80s. Right. Like, but you read it, and you're like, the relevance is still so strong today oh, yeah. because like, again, humans are humans, regardless of what generation we're in. Um, it, we're wired for things like you mentioned, like autonomy, trust you know, I know you speak heavily and work heavily on the concept of empathy. Like every human wants someone else to be a human with, right? Like that is empathy in its yeah. like purest form. And so um, it's funny that we are at this place where we're like, we had so long to like figure this out. And it's not just <laughs> happening like right now. It's just happening yeah. really aggressive. It feels very aggressively right now. Um, and then we're kind of coupling that it's not just Gen Z that's driving this, mm-hmm. but they are kind of getting a little bit of the flack the most. Um, and so that's kind of what, like, let's take a left turn and really start to dive into that. Um, mm-hmm. I know you you see it in the organizations that you work with. You have Gen Z in your life, like many of us do. Um, why do you think we need to be paying to gen- paying attention to Gen Z at this distinct moment? And then also, like, why do we think they're getting so much, in some cases, so much heat for something that is actually pervasive across an industry and a, and a workforce? So why do we need to be paying attention? Well, they're you know they're the they're the engine of the future, right? Uh, secondly, because they, I don't really like to differentiate between generations very much. But one thing that they this is the generation that is the most, uh, you know, the, the the first truly digital natives, and so they have they typically have not everybody, but have a much more intuitive understanding of technology. And so have if we're thinking about what what's the best technology or the new developments or how we could be doing our, our you know, providing our services differently or developing our products, having a Gen Z on the team as part of the decision process or, or brainstorming is going to be very valuable in terms of bringing their sort of technology understanding um, better than, than other generations for whom technology is more functional. It's not, it's not necessarily as um, sort of infused and integrated in everything, everything they do. So those two aspects of it. And the third is really, honestly, if, if you know, you or I, I mean, I, it, you know, I've been in the workforce for, for, longer, for longer than you have, but, and I have, I, I love change. I love doing things differently and I've worked in different countries. So I've seen lots of different ways of working, but many people have been working the same way for decades. Uh, or at least for many, many years. And so change is hard. We, as you said, stasis is what we like and what we're comfortable with. And so we, we, we want to be using the same kind of patterns of behaviors that appeared to work at the same time. Now, pre-pandemic, we were still straining against how things were changing and they were changing. All these trends were, were there beforehand. 
But now that the future of work is here, now that we've integrated so much technology, we have to change how we're working. And if we look to what the Gen Zs are looking for and asking for, they can really help us understand because that's that they are the freshest. They're the most sort of naive and and sort of mirrors um, reflecting what is necessary for the future of work working in different places, working with more flexibility, working with the technologies that we developed. We developed, you know, powerful mobile smartphones for a reason. We developed them so that we could be more mobile, so that we could we can do all these things on the fly when we wanted to have the autonomy, which was going to help us work better and work more effectively. So now we need to lean into it. Now, we're Obviously, they're, they're also showing us some of the challenges. And I was just actually posted today on LinkedIn about an article which was saying about how all these Gen Zs are now um, uh, buying uh, dumb phones. And I, you know, and I, and I wouldn't necessarily call them dumb phones, but they're not, not as smartphones um, in order to, to help them focus and help them not be as um, drawn into or, or, you know, helpfully addicted by the, the different social media companies to be spending so much time on, on their phones. So, so we also need to be helping all of us, all of ourselves manage uh, the, the new technologies and the, and the new uh, services and applications that we've created. I, I love that point. And it echoes so much of what I tend to tell people when they look at Gen Z as like this threat and this um, huge challenge that it's actually an opportunity um, that, that, that again, you called that fresh perspective, like it's an opportunity um, to have a new perspective on your team, which is so helpful. Like I think the, the newest person on your team is the greatest asset and not just because hopefully you have a lighter workload or whatever that looks like, but you have a new perspective to get better. Right. Like that's yeah. the, you and I, you and I tend to live on that, the positive <laughs> side of life. Um, the other thing that I think is just so important to reiterate is this idea that um, Gen Z did not just create all of this technology and then they're, and no, they were taught how to use it. They were handed this. They weren't like six year olds creating Facebook, right? Like they were cognitively learning it as it was role modeled by other generations. And like, that's an interesting interplay that is not, when we look at generational study, generations are reacting to the world in which they, in, in some cases, inherit. And that's how they develop their worldview. And so I think it's really unfair that we're out here being like, they're all addicted to the internet. We're like, they didn't create the internet. Like they didn't create smartphones. They didn't create all that's these exactly. things, but they were taught they were taught how to use it as a way of life. Um, and so we can't super fault them, but we can help them. Uh, so I just, I, I really love reiterating those two things of yeah. we, ha we have a opportunity with this generation to leverage what they bring to the table, but also to help them create a healthy habit of not only work, but like navigating life. Um, and that's like our responsibility as older generations and other generations, but that's a whole, yeah. that's a conversation for another episode. Um, <laughs> hey, you other yes. generations, stop being mean could be another episode entirely. But um, I think, you know, and working all together to try and work it out because, you know, there are certainly older generations who look at somebody in the workplace, you know, if they are in the office and there's a younger person and they're on their phone, they assume that they're on Facebook or, or you know, whatever other app. They could be using, they could be 
preferring to use some productivity tool on their phone because they, you know, they spend a lot of time on their phone and they may not like the interface as much um, on their computer. So, you know, making these assumptions and just, you know, that comes to empathy in terms of like, don't make assumptions, please don't, don't make judgments, ask, find out. And then it just is, it just sort of lowers the conflict, lowers the tension, and it's easier to work together. Yeah, yeah, but what you're saying is do effective communication and try to be a human to one another, which sometimes <laughs> is more complicated than we – it's sometimes more complicated than it, it leads itself to believe. Um, uh, all, the, all the world's problems, really. But when we think – you know, you brought up something really earlier in our conversation and, and many times throughout our interactions is um, why we need to be listening to – Gen Z specifically, some of the things that they're talking about, wanting flexibility, wanting autonomy, wanting trust, wanting like transparent and authentic leadership. Other people would say, yeah, but every generation wants that, you know, like that's, but they're saying it the loudest. They're saying it at an earlier age. Like we're drawing towards the fact that they're saying things that potentially older generations say at different phases in life. So it's almost like setting that trajectory earlier on, which I think also gives us the opportunity to anticipate and make changes because we are allowing ourselves to uh, course correct earlier in the career trajectory of this generation. Um, What do you think are some of those issues that maybe Gen Z is raising the red flag on that if they're not addressed and effectively kind of solved right now could cause big disruptions um, when it comes to Gen Z in the workplace? And what do you think organizations can be doing to address some of those things? Right. Well, I, I think also that we're at a different point now in terms of what the workplace is like and what the demands are and and the sort of the bar has been raised. So that in if previous generations asked but didn't get it, which is part of the resistance from older generations, because of course like, well, I had to put up with this, like, why can't you? The, the Work is different. The nature of work is different. It is much less sort of linear, slow, predictable. It is the opposite. It is we're working much more closely in teams. We're having to uh, really adapt very quickly. We're getting feedback from the customers. We're needing to, you know, it went from Microsoft Word being released every two or three years to having constant, I mean, Zoom released 400 new features over the course of 2020 alone. We're we're in a cycle of constant update and upgrade, which means that anybody who's working with an app or technology is is constantly that that's sort of the, the changing nature of how we're living. So work itself has changed and therefore the needs that uh Gen Z are raising these these questions, these needs, these demands that they're talking about and 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 raising with their their team leads, which previous generations have been interested in, been looking for, may, maybe didn't feel that they had the right to speak up. These become that much more important, and so you know when we're thinking about mental health, when we're thinking about the instability of of the workplace or their jobs. I mean, think about what how generative generative ai and llms are now what i actually in fact i asked a uh, chat gpt today you know like what are gen z like really worried about when it comes to chat gpt it's kind of like well their jobs so you know there are some really really interesting opportunities and more choices for gen z but also it's like what's it going to mean for their jobs 
there was a very interesting article um, in 2019 in the Wall Street Journal, which said that that graduating class, the graduating class of 2019, were going into jobs which were three to four years more advanced in the terms of the work that was do, that they were doing than previous generations because a lot of the the really boring data inputting really sort of tedious work had been automated away now how much more is going to be automated away we don't we don't know but if you're coming into the workplace how much you know it's going to be taking that the you know the level of, of advanced work up a few levels i would have thought over over you know the next couple of years so I think the 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 support that Gen Zs that the younger employees um, are going to be needing, you know, thinking about mental health, thinking about the instability, thinking about how much change there is, what they're going to be, what they are going to be tasked with, um, you know, these are, you know, the the as I said, you know, that the stakes have been raised, the bar has been raised, and so some of these we really need to be listening to what they're saying and recognizing the reality of what we're all dealing with and that they, as the youngest, least experienced people in the workplace, how they're reacting to it. So it sounds like one of the biggest disruptions we're going to have based on what you're saying is being comfortable with the fact that we now live in a world of work that is characterized by constant change and evolution. Now we do, we are we are good. We are good. <laughs> well, look, well, if you think about so, um, I read something a few years ago which said you know there's been incredible change since 1870. So 1870 we had no planes, no uh, no cars, no fridges. You know I mean the extraordinary change. The pace of change is what's um, sped up now, and so and. You know, it was it was pretty fast, uh, and we've been actually integrating AI for for a long time. It's just now much more obvious uh, to us in terms of being able to use um, generative AI and what that what that can do for us. So this, you know, sort of the changing environment, and also, you know, something that the Gen Zs are really having to deal with, which is very related to this, is there are no um, what I call cont- continuous, linear, continuous compounding careers, right? Mm. Careers now, there's, there's, there was an article in, in the FT in 2017, which said every individual should plan uh, five careers over their lifetime. Mm. Five. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it means we have transferable skills. We have, we have many more opportunities. You don't get stuck in something. But it also means we have choice. We have to. We have a lot more choice. We have to explore. 54% of Gen Zs in 2019 imagine they're going to do a job that doesn't exist yet. That's cool mm-hmm. and also kind of scary. So, yeah. you know, we really need to be thinking about change in a different way where actually human beings are very adaptable as much as we like habit we are very adaptable but we need to be thinking about what that means and particularly for the least people the people who are the least have the least experience like how are they going to navigate it mhm mhm so i have a quick follow up for you with thinking about that in mind is kind of like an undercurrent that's not only impacting generation z but it's impacting all organizations and it's impacting all generations. When we narrow in specifically on Gen Z, 
what are maybe three things that we might need to specifically pay attention to as all of this is churning in the workforce? Um, really, where are we seeing, I don't want to say the pain points, but maybe the moments where we're seeing there is this difference in what Gen Z is looking for and hoping to get out of a workplace, a career, um, really a life in work. What are some of the things that we need to pay attention to as leaders trying to impact the lives of Gen Z? culture um timeless values within that culture that help ground employees all employees ground and connect people so timeless values like empathy like trust like integrity those are ones that can really help connect people wherever they are the lived values that can be lived in and and modeled every day it helps connect people wherever they are and sort of ground them in terms of sort of being less distracted by all the changes going on around them. Um, upskilling. So upskilling and helping uh, Gen Z stay competitive, they are very aware that they have no job security. And in a changing environment, the ability to be financially state, have financial stability is critical. That goes to a lot of things. It goes to side hustles. It goes to, I need to keep moving. I need to keep updating my skills. I need to keep, um, you know, exploring different options and skills and job role, all those things. This job hopping, I, I look as being exploring, but I think the more that as a, as a leader, you can keep um, helping your team stay up, keep upskilling, keep learning, you're going to keep them. And that may be releasing them and helping them grow in another team in your organization. You know, that that means <laughs> that takes some um, willingness to give somebody who's great and, and, you know, rising to somebody else, and then maybe they'll come back again. So that's going to help the organization keep them. Um, and I think the there's also really be th really thinking about this well-being support, this the, you know, the mental health issues. I mean, a, a lot of this is like creating the environment that they can flourish. And there is a lot of anxiety. And if we think about the anxiety about their jobs, the anxiety about financial security, uh, what's my job going to be? I have no idea. This is really exciting. This is also scary. You know, all of these things just create the, the kind of grounding, nurturing environment that is just going to help them be able to engage in their work. And then, you know, yes, trying to help them understand their, their current skills, where they want to go, what their strengths are, and orient them towards that, and they'll engage. So really, it's all coming back to how do we design cultures and environments for people um, that are conducive and supportive and healthy and productive, Um so we're as much as we're trying to daydream towards the future, there's some some old school practices there that maybe we just need to get back to basics is is what I'm kind of hearing uh, as well. Basics, which which how much were they actually, you know, implemented? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so many people sort of saying, oh, well, remote working doesn't suit my culture. It's kind of like, well. Uh, I, I, the culture therefore wasn't strong and connective and helped develop, you know, trust-based and all those type of things. Otherwise it would work in mm -hmm. re remote, um, you know, dispersed and, and distributed uh, teams and organizations. So there are, there are many ways that we have been working that haven't been supportive of the workforce. And this is one thing that I really do see about the future of work. It, it is um, that was highlighted during the pandemic, which is that the the sort of social contract 
was 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 broken it's it's been broken mm-hmm. for years and this is now it's not a question of employ you know power like the employees have more power and just wait for the recession and all of a sudden it's much more about it was imbalanced you know mm-hmm. in the 50s 60s um, employees used to have job security they were looked up they had job security they could work i mean they maybe have had you know not such pleasant work all their lives but then they got to retire and then they you know at some point could be you know sitting on a beach somewhere or or you know ha- have some kind of of uh, existence after work that they could enjoy now all of those the elements of that work equation that job bundle don't exist anymore and mm-hmm. so we really need to be thinking about what the combination is and if i'm going to be um trying to get you and track you into my company and and to to do work because i'm not offering i can't i'm not going to be giving you any kind of retirement i'm not i don't give you any kind of job security what is the balance what is a balanced equation that's actually going to help you engage with me yeah that is such a such a heady topic that I'm sure you're working <laughs> on figuring out, um, which is great because the world needs people like you. Um, Sophie, my last question for you, and I can I ask everybody because uh, this is what this podcast is all about, but what is your favorite thing about Gen Z? I know that you have Gen Z in your life um, as mm-hmm. family members, children, um, but you you certainly interact with them. Um, what is your favorite thing about these, you know, these these wonderful young people, honestly? Yes, well, I love to learn. And so, uh, and yet, boy, do my kids push back on me. But (laughs) (laughs) they, the, this desire, this, they they need to be learning. It's this constant learning, but I love that. I love the questions. I love the, the exploration, the, the idea kind of like, how can we do things? What can we, how can we be taking this information and and that possibility and creating something new and different and testing things? Um, So that's, that's part of what really makes me excited about work and life and living. And that's very much a strong trait and, you know, and, and when with, with, they've grown up with smartphones, they've grown up with access to so much information about how different the world is all, all around that they, they do bring a very different uh, sort of possibility set in, in their discussions. And that I do love. That is, uh, they're very future oriented and like kind of like a realistic way too, which I appreciate. Like they they are wanting to learn and and improve for not just themselves but other people and their communities. Um, but this concept of learning and how that they kind of recognize what that end game looks like, and I think that that's a really cool and mature thing they bring to environments and spaces that they um, are in. So, well, Sophie, I know that I just love learning from you and with you, but I know the listeners might also. What are some of the best ways that um, people can connect with you and and learn with you um, as you're continuing to help workplaces and companies um, take it to the next level and, and step into the future in a, a pleasant and less scary, change-minded way? Uh, thank you so much, Megan. Uh, so flexelnetwork.com is my company. SophieWay.com also has lots of resources. I, I do have a podcast and I interviewed Megan. Great conversation we had then. Um, Transforming Work with Sophie Wade. And I also have some courses on link, video courses on LinkedIn, uh, on Gen Z, on the future of work, and also on empathy. So yes. um, those can be beneficial as well. 
there's no shortage of things to learn from Sophie. So please go check out um, all those wonderful resources and uh, be sure to follow along in those spaces because I know uh, the content you put out is just so helpful and it certainly helped me reframe, you know, the way that humans are humans and they show up to work uh, regardless of what generation they are. Uh, and that's such Absolutely. an important thing. And now technology is really, really coming into it. We need to be even more human and really lean into that and, you know, all the human genius that we have. So, yep, yeah, it's true. Happy. And sometimes being a human is hard. It is is not an easy feat. <laughs> it is not an easy feat. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for yet again, another fantastic conversation. Um, I know I love spending time with you and I'm sure everyone has thoroughly enjoyed um, being able to spend time with you today as well. Thanks so much, Megan. Always a pleasure. If you love to relax at the end of the day or spend the weekend doing something a little bit creative and fun, puzzles can be a great activity. From puzzle games to crosswords, we're actually a household of puzzle people. And like many during the pandemic, we got into jigsaw puzzles. So I was really excited when we came across Wongo puzzles. Wongo puzzles are 100% wooden puzzles, so they last forever. And each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same, and you kind of discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. Honestly, Wongo puzzles are as visually stunning as they are fun to put together. It's like doing a puzzle and building a stained glass window at the same time. You should check out some of their awesome designs like the elephant, turtle, or snow globe. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com, that's W-O-N-G-O, puzzles.com and pick up your puzzle today and be sure to use the promo code gen z to get 10 percent off your order wongo guarantees this is the most fun you'll ever you've ever had with a puzzle or you'll get your money back go to w-o-n-g-o puzzles.com use the code gen z to get 10 percent off your order and get to puzzling right now I want to share a big thank you to Sophie for joining me in this episode and helping us explore Generation Z and the future of work. As with each generation before, a new cohort of professionals will evolve the working environments. And Gen Z is no exception. Not only is Gen Z the newest cohort of professionals, but we're seeing the world of work change at such a rapid pace. In many ways, it feels like we're grappling with both a demographic shift and a larger environmental shift. Sophie has been someone that I've been so thankful to work with and get to know in the last year um, to help think and about a larger landscape of work and how it's shifting, but also how Gen Z is such an influential force in ushering in this future of work. This is a concept we're going to continue to explore in coming episodes of this season, especially as we dive into the lived experiences of Gen Z professionals. So with that, stay tuned for more episodes. They'll be coming soon, but the best way you can stay in the loop is to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And a rating and review helps other people with similar interests find this show and determine if it's a good fit for their listening interests. More great conversations ahead in season five, but I'm always interested in the topics that we can explore together. If you have an idea or a person I need to chat with, please reach out via my website, meganmgrace.com, or on social media. You're a part of this learning adventure, and I'm always happy to look more into something you want to learn about. Thanks for stopping by for this episode. Let's continue this conversation. And we'll chat soon. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. 
coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.